0: Praise the Lord. Well, before we get begin this morning, now, now Gary, could you just, just come here this morning, Gary? Come on. Come on up here. Now last week when I sewed off these lovely socks, uh, you know, Gary just about had a heart attack back there, so I just felt the Lord tell me, I need to bless Gary with a pair of socks this morning. Come on now. Look at those babies. Hello. Hello. I mean, check them babies out. Come on now. I'm going to have to have a shirt like this. <laughs> Whoa, now he's confessing he needs a shirt like this, too. If I had a shirt underneath, I'd, I, you know. Anyway, Gary, just turn around. Just look at, look at those babies. Now, now, are they not going to look good right there? I mean, what I did was I, I picked out the loudest pair that I could find, <laughs> and I just said, these are Gary Beaumont right here. Are, are they not Gary? I mean, look at that. <laughs> now... Uh, now, just, just stay there for a minute, Gary. Now, if there's another brave soul here this morning who would uh, like to upgrade, somebody else who needs an upgrade, come on. If, you're up, if you need an upgrade, get up here. Let's go right now. Come on. If you need an upgrade, oh, here comes Josie. He needs an upgrade. All right. Look at that. Woo. All right. Now, come on we're standing beside Gary. Now, we got a couple upgrades here. <laughs> There, there you go. Yeah, get, get a picture of that. We got some upgrade here this morning. Look at that. Check it out. All right. <laughs> all right. Praise the Lord. Now, Gary, I expect to see those on you next Sunday. I mean, after all, it is tacky Christmas sweater day. You can feel free to put them on. Praise the Lord. Uh, I just want you know I got a different pair on this morning. Check these babies out. Look at that. out a little festive going on there this morning. All right. Well, get ready. It's Christmas time. Amen. Now, You might also entitle this message, Be Prepared to Be Generous, because that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Uh, I believe there's no better time to talk about generosity than the season of giving, and uh, that's Christmas season. Um, I got to confess that I absolutely love this time of year. Uh, I think I've mentioned that a couple times in the last uh, couple weeks. I mean, I love the message of hope, I love the story of God sending His Son to earth to be born in a manger, uh, to be the Savior of the world. And it's a great story, and it's one that blesses people's hearts and encourages people every time it's told, every time it's embraced. But I got to admit, I also love all the other stuff about Christmas. Yes, I I love Christmas trees. We have a, a nine-footer in our living room. We, we looked at our house when we bought it, and we said, man, a tree would look good if it went all the way to the top of that kind of vaulted ceiling. So we just, we went out and found one, one year that was on sale, put that sucker up there, and uh, and it, it just looks fantastic. I can't wait to get it up in the living room. And my wife, I would keep it up for another month after Christmas, but my wife likes to take it down on Boxing Day. It's one of those little, you know, marital things we might need counseling for at some point in our relationship. But uh, I love Christmas trees. I love, uh, you know, hot coffee with friends. I uh, love turkey dinners. How many love turkey dinners? And, and I realize none of these things have anything to do with Jesus, but I love them anyway. Uh, I, I, you know, I love... Uh, Uh, giving gifts, and I love the music. Uh, I love all of it. And uh, I know that uh, some Christians, and hear me this morning, they lament that Christmas has become a commercial holiday, one in which literally billions will be spent, much of it on stuff we don't need. The socks maybe even fall into that category. Or sometimes we don't even want, the socks might fall into that category. Uh, And people lament that the birth of Jesus has been overshadowed by a Guy in a red suit and his eight tiny reindeer. But for me, i got to say that all the cultural trappings and all the rest of it uh, don't take away from the glory, the majestic uh, glory of the holidays. Because, here's the thing for me, despite all the commercialization and all the cultural traditions, Christmas remains a season of peace and joy and goodwill toward all men you can stop people on the street and you can ask them what, what, what it's about. If there was a word that they could describe, they would tell you it's peace. They would tell you it's joy. They, they get that. Even from TV specials that are, I don't know, Hallmark romance movies on the, I mean, the Women's Network, man, that's just uh, just loaded with them this time of year. But here's the thing. To me, uh, I realize that all these things are on, but it's like for one month of the year, the month of December, Okay, hear me, the TV specials, the radio, the music, magazines, store windows—everything's kid-friendly. You know, isn't is that not a good thing? It's all kid-friendly. Uh, you know, it's all—you know—it sure the, the central figure has shifted, but even the guy in the red suit has his roots, and I'll talk about that later this morning. But even the guy in the red suit has his roots in Christendom. Even he's got his roots in Christianity and you know for me it's like for one month for one month all the hate and hostility and the greed take a backseat to love peace and generosity and I think that's a good thing even the news even the news which gets all of its coverage from covering negative stuff has great stories this time here I'm just going to read a few of them for you today can I do that this morning? Philadelphia incredible story of paying it forward Kate McClure's car ran out of gas on I-95 on her way into Philadelphia at 11 p.m. at night. She got out of her car and she started to make her way down the ramp toward the nearest gas station, and that's when she met Johnny. Johnny sits on the side of the road, she says, holding a sign, and and he saw me pull over, and he knew something was wrong. He told me to get back in the car. He said, it's way too dangerous for a young woman to be out. Get back in your car, lock the doors, I'll take care of it. And he walked to the gas station, and he spent his last $20... On gasoline and brought it back and put it in Kate's car so she could make it home safely. He spent his last $20 so that she could get home safely. She didn't have any money, no cash on her at all. All she had was a credit card. So she was determined to try and pay him back so she went looking for him the next day and she found him sitting on the side of the road again with a little sign out asking for any help Uh, and uh, you know, found out a bit about his story. She paid him back the $20, but she brought him a coat, and she brought him some mitts and stuff. Then she later discovered that Johnny had been a, was a veteran of the United States Marine Corps. He'd been a former firefighter and a paramedic who, when he got discharged from the military, went up to Philadelphia because of a job offer that had been made for him there. And he had had rent lined up with the job, but then when the job offer fell through, he didn't have a job, he didn't have a place to stay, and he said, well, I'll, you know, it's only one night, I'll sleep on the streets, and one night turned into two years. He went to Veteran Affairs because he had no address and because he couldn't find his paperwork, he couldn't get his money from Veteran Affairs, and here's a guy living on the streets when she found him. So she wanted to do more, so she created a GoFundMe page to help him out. And she said she's using the money to help Johnny find a place to rent, get a car and a job. She said, I truly believe that all Johnny needs is one little break. Hopefully with your help, I can be the one to give it to him, she said. Since then, thousands of people have donated, and as of last night when I checked it, over $400,000 has been raised for Johnny, amen? <laughs> Johnny has now bought a house, he's set money aside for retirement, he's bought the car of his dream, which was a 1999 Ford Ranger, I know, don't judge, all right, <laughs> and, uh, and <laughs> don't judge people, uh, and, then, uh, and then he has given thousands to homeless shelters in the city of Philadelphia, isn't that awesome? Praise let's go for another one. Another news, a homeless man recently found a woman's $10,000 check on the ground. Elmer Elvarez returned it to Dr. Roberta Hosky, a successful real estate agent in Connecticut. Roberta wrote Elmer a check as a reward. Then she gave him entrance into a real estate school free of charge, and she plans to pay for his English courses and his language classes. She provided housing for him, she got him a job interview, and she's committed to helping him. You know why? Because she was once homeless herself. Hallelujah. Aren't you feeling better already? Praise the Lord. Meanwhile, Washington Redskins star uh, cornerback Josh Norman has asked every church in Greenwood, South Carolina, which is his hometown, to send him a letter stating the concerns that the church has and the needs of the youth. He wrote that God has laid it on my heart as a servant of the crown to reach out and touch every church in Greenwood, South Carolina with my tithes and offerings and love of peace. He added that, I said, I'll not be able to fulfill every need, but I'll do everything I can to do everything that I can with what I have to be able to meet every need. And he said that he uh, closed his letter with this. He said, uh, Romans 12:13, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. Hallelujah. Now, these are the kinds of stories that are hard to find any other time of the year. But they're everywhere this time of year. Why? Because there's something going on in the hearts of people this time of year. There's some good stuff going on this time of year. Peace and goodwill to all men is happening this time of year. Praise the Lord. And I think we need to take a hold of it. And I realize some of it's been taken hostage. Some of it's been taken hostage. I get that. But instead, focus on the message that's behind what's been taken hostage. Be the person who's filled with joy and love, who's celebrating goodness, who's starting uh, to give things away. Be the one who's doing that, and uh, you'll make a difference. Why? Because God so loved this world that he gave. That is what is at the heart of this season. God so loved the world that he gave, and we should do so likewise. Amen? Amen? We should do so likewise. So why do these stories get so much traction? Why do they touch our heart so, so deeply when we hear these kinds of stories? And why do people open up their wallets and give when they hear about Johnny and this GoFundMe project and all kinds of other things? Well, I think there's two reasons why. I think the first one is that they, uh, they seem unusual in our self-centered world, right? They come across as out of the ordinary. So we, we love them. We grab a hold of them. But I think the more important reason is because God's spirit is at work in our culture to highlight these acts of generosity as a way of encouraging us to reproduce them. I think Holy Spirit is trying to highlight acts of generosity to get our eyes off of ourself so that we can see what is out there around us and how we can imitate what we see happening around us in our world. And We start with imitating God who gave His Son. We imitate the Son who gave His life. And we imitate all those throughout history who have laid their lives down and sacrificed so that we can be where we are today. That's what we get a chance to imitate every time we see these stories we're being challenged to do so. Are you hearing me this morning? So I celebrate this season because for me, it brings out the very best in so many people. Even those who don't know the reason behind the season, they've exchanged the real message for cultural ones. But they still managed to build traditions which maintain the biblical heart of the season. Joy, love, peace, goodwill to all men. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me this morning? Hallelujah. William Wilberforce said this. He said, if to be feeling alive to the sufferings of my fellow creatures is to be a fanatic, then I'm one of the most incurable fanatics ever permitted to be at large. Isn't that a great quote? So how about we get a hold of the heart of this season and we become those selfless people like those who went before us? And how about we just dig deep and we make sure that we celebrate all that is good in this season? Now, I don't want to tell too much, but let me just say that uh, one of my favorite stories is the story of the guy in the red suit. Now, I hope you realize it until, it was until 19, uh, what year was it, 1920 or 30-something that uh, Santa was not in a red suit. Did you want to know what color Santa Claus's suit is? You know what color it is today? It's Coca-Cola red. It is. Santa Claus's red suit is Coca-Cola red. Because there was a, an artist, his last name I think was Hadley, who was hired by Coca-Cola to make ads for Christmas time. And he took Santa out of his traditional white snow suit uh, and he moved him into a red suit and he made it Coca-Cola red. And that's how we have a guy in a red suit. So if you want to blame somebody, blame Coca-Cola. They're the ones that started uh, St. Nicholas in a red suit. Before that, he was usually in a white suit adorned with fur, with gold, or even sometimes in a green suit, but never in a red suit. It was, it was uh, Santa Claus is red because of Coca-Cola. And uh, then the other traditions built up around that, you know, the night before Christmas and everything else. And it may have been earlier than the 1930s, I can't remember, but it was a long way back. And it was Coca-Cola that turned Santa Claus red. So you can blame them and for all of their uh, trappings around that. But, you know, I had somebody, or I heard a story of somebody complaining because the uh, Christian music station uh, in town was playing music songs Christmas this season and that some of it even talked about songs were, had Santa Claus in it. I'm just going to say you can just uh, you know they, they, they wrote an anonymous email to the station and complained about it and uh, you know and, and in their complaint they said that the station playing Christmas music with Santa Claus was like a Christian TV station playing porn. <laughs> now I was a little incredulous about that. I said, so, you know, I realize that Santa in the red suit is, is a caricaturization of somebody who was real. But to make that leap is a huge leap to me. Just pretty huge. Pretty huge. I'm not sure where that comes from. So I thought, well, maybe they just really don't know the history of Santa Claus. So I thought I would help you out this morning by telling you a little bit about that guy. And uh, help clear some of that up. So if you're the one that sent in the email... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you're the one that sent it in, please come and talk to me afterwards. Uh, but I'd like to help you out. But anyway, let's start with good old Saint Nick. Saint Nicholas was born in the third century in the southern coast of Turkey. And uh, Saint Nicholas was a young man uh, in the village of Pateras, where he was born. And it was now an, a, a part of, uh, at the time I should say it was Greek, but now it's part of Turkey. But he he came from a family of wealthy, wealthy parents. But his uh, devout Christian parents, wealthy family, died when he was still a young man. So St. Nicholas lost his parents to tragedy when he was still young. And rather than get bitter, rather than be somebody who checked out and said, you know, God abandoned me or anything else, he took the scripture that talked about taking all that we have and giving it to the poor. And instead what St. Nicholas did is that he used his entire inheritance to assist the needy, the sick, and the suffering. So, the guy that we've characterized as in in, in a red suit nowadays, his his roots was a man of God who took all of his wealth and his inheritance, and he used it to feed the poor and the sick and the suffering. Does that sound like a good story to you? And because of that, because of that, he was made a bishop. while he was still a young man. He was the Bishop of Myrna, and uh, he, he is was then later canonized as a saint in the Catholic Church because of his incredible devotion to the poor. The man spent his entire life giving and giving and giving and giving. And the stories about uh, St. Nicholas are absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. One story uh, uh, is of a poor man who had three daughters. And in those days, in order for your daughters to be married off, you had to have enough money to provide a dowry, right? Right? And if you didn't have enough money for a dowry, then the very good chance is that your, your daughters would have to enter into a life of slavery, because no man would take them as their wife without a dowry. So St. Nicholas was concerned about that, and so the, the tradition is, or the, the story is, that he gave the, each of the daughters the money for their dowry by throwing gold coins, a sack of gold coin, in the window. And the tradition was that it landed in their shoes by the fireplace or in a stocking by the fireplace. And so you see how even traditions that we have, the Dutch, they still use the shoes, but the, uh, uh, we've turned it into the stockings. But even hanging that stocking by the chimney with care was a, a desire that St. Nicholas would put blessing in there. <laughs> Hallelujah. I, kind of a modern version of it. I'll help you with and, and as a result of that, this man's daughters were able to be married and they were able to uh, have a wonderful, blessed life because he gave. And there were all kinds of other stories that abounded. Some said that, he would, he would, uh, that it wasn't gold coins, but it was gold balls. And then the tradition of giving oranges at Christmas came around as a result of the fact that St. Nicholas was adorned in pictures and, and, and was historically shown as having these three gold balls surrounding his head, which represented the gold that he gave. And the tradition of giving oranges, representative of the gold that he gave, rose up out of that. And even to this day, when you go into the grocery store, what do you see everywhere this time of year? Oranges, especially those little, little clementines. Oh my goodness, there is nothing better than a clementine. You know what I'm saying? And I love this time of year when the first box of clementines comes into the house, I dive into those things. And where did the tradition come from? Again, it came from a man of God who loved the Lord with all of his heart and who who took the call of God seriously to give and give and give until it hurt. To give sacrificially, to give literally everything that he had away. Are you hearing me this morning? Now, today this truth about St. Nicholas has been lost or You know, here's a word for you, obfuscated by all the stuff that's around it. Made hard to find, in other words. But you know, the jolly old man who gives gifts to children is still a caricature of a saint who gave his wealth so that children and families could be blessed. So when you are dissing on Santa Claus, you're dissing on something that came out as a result of a tremendous man of God who responded to the needs of the people in his time and became immortalized for it. So rather than getting all bent out of shape, why not use it as a talking point with people? There's a thought for you. I don't know how to witness. I don't know how to share my faith with people. I just need some help. How can I talk to people about and be Jesus? I can't just walk up and start talking about Jesus. You're right, sometimes that's difficult. So now you've got a talking point. So rather than, oh yeah, Santa Claus, Santa Claus, Santa Claus. It should be about Jesus. That's not the talking point I'm looking for. <laughs> when someone says something about Santa Claus, you say, hey, do you, do you know who the real St. Nicholas was? And they'll go, no. And then you get to tell them. And then they'll go, wow, I wonder what would motivate a young man to do that. Whoo! Oh, well, let me just tell you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's a wonderful talking point for you. You can tell them where the tradition of stockings came from. Did you know that if you do a little bit of Google searching, you can find out that almost every Christmas tradition we have comes from, from somewhere within the church? The use of Christmas trees. Uh, you know, they started to bring them into, into the, to the church and into their homes as a symbol of eternal life because the tree never loses its branches or loses its leaves. Then the idea of putting lights on the tree, the idea, that was Martin Luther. Martin Luther was the first to, to adorn trees with lights because Jesus was the light of the world. Holly, I can't remember exactly, but if you look at Holly, the use of Holly, I can't remember, but I read it this, uh, just a couple weeks ago, was also rooted in, in helping to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, there are so many traditions that we have that if we would, if we, instead of, of getting all bent out of shape about them, if we would help celebrate how they point to Jesus, man, we could just bring this whole thing right back around, couldn't we? Are you hearing me? So as I said a couple weeks ago, don't be that guy. Don't, don't, Don't be that gal who goes around grumbling all the time. You're not helping us. You're not helping Jesus. Love and joy unto you, and to you, a Christmas too and God bless you, and God bless you, and God bless you, and send you a happy new year? Can we do these things? Can we celebrate? Can we explain to people? The dude in the red suit, he was a real living person in the third century who loved the Lord, or fourth century, loved the Lord, loved the Lord with all of his heart. This is what he did. Wow, really? Yeah. Yeah. Do it. Tell people the story. Tell them the truth. Wow. Okay. All right. So, let's talk about... Uh, we talked with St. Nicholas. Let's just talk about you and I here for a minute. Yeah, yeah, okay. Sorry about that. I forgot that slide. Okay. Pastor Mark has a great devotional book that he uses, and from time to time he shares stuff from it with me. And uh, he, uh, the guy's name is Rick Renner. He wrote a book called Sparkling Gems from Greek, and he's got a volume one and volume two. So, from Volume 2, Mark comes to the, our, our, we have a weekly meeting, uh, Thursday mornings, <coughs> Starbucks, hallelujah. And, uh, and so, he was sharing with me what he read that day, it was the 7th, right, I think, that, that day, what he read on that day from the book, and I said, that is, I said to Mark, that's exactly what I'm preaching about. I said, can, can you send it? He goes, well, I think that one might be online, because he puts like every other day or something online, and it was fortuitous, it was right there online, and I was like, oh, see, hallelujah. So, uh, you know, and, and he did a little bit of a digging for us. And I love uh, preaching from language. I love words. Like last week when we found out that Jesus was probably not born in an inn. Hello? That the word is not translated anywhere else in Scripture uh, as inn, but as a guest room or a guest house. Uh, that Jesus uh, was probably born in someone's Guest room because Jesus was probably, uh, Mary and Joseph were probably staying with family because they went to Bethlehem, Joseph's hometown, where all his relatives are from. And so, but we get these ideas because those who are translating the scripture or those who are doing it are, are also doing so through their, their own cultural lens. And that's why sometimes, you know, you can't just say that I love the King James because the King James, if it was good enough for the Apostle Paul, is good enough for me, you know and then this on every other translation. The reality is that it's the original manuscripts that were inspired, and translators do their best to bring that to you, but sometimes cultural influences mean that we've got to dig a little deeper. We've got to get back to the word that the word is based upon. Somebody say amen. amen. So Rick Renner has done that in here, and I thought that was pretty exciting, so I wanted to share a little bit with you here this morning. In a nutshell, he was explaining how the act of carefully and sacrificially giving gifts is a profound act of love. And he shares the story of how, as a young boy, uh, he shopped for his mom and his dad and his two sisters with his $2. He had $2 to spend on Christmas shopping. And so he had to buy for his mom and his dad and his two sisters. One was an older sister, one younger sister. So, and he talks about how he purchased each one of them something that he thought that they definitely needed with his $2. And, uh, you know, maybe to bring that forward, might be like having $10 today, but he had $2. So, so anyway, he shares how that he got, he, uh, here's what he says. He says, I, I, I got a comb and a compact for my mom, a fish for my dad's aquarium, a tube of lipstick for my older sister, and a doll hairbrush for my younger sister. And he says, and I wrapped them all carefully. He never explains how he wrapped the fish. I don't, I don't know how he did that. But, uh, and he said, now, I was so excited to see their reactions on Christmas morning as they opened this, their gifts. But then he says on Christmas morning, though, he was caught by another revelation. As he and his sisters opened their gifts, he was amazed at the things they received from their mom and dad. He received this walking robot, and it was a wake-up call because having shopped with his $2, he now knew how expensive things were. He realized how much his parents had sacrificed for him and his sisters. He knew his parents had many needs, but they denied themselves. Hear what I'm saying this morning. They denied themselves to purchase these gifts for them. For the first time in his life, he understood the concept of making a sacrifice for others. He understood the concept of making a sacrifice for others. Now, Renner writes, when it's time for us to purchase gifts for people I love, I recall that early revelation and how my parents demonstrated to us that it is better to esteem others better than ourselves. Everybody say it with me this morning. It is better to esteem others better than ourselves. That's the revelation that he got. He said, my parents denied themselves and sacrificed to purchase those gifts. They understood that although Philippians 2.3 is not a Christmas verse, the principle certainly extends to Christmas. And here's what it says. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself." Now this passage this last statement here esteem or consider others better than yourselves this is what he breaks down in the Greek for us and we're going to look at this this morning and this is what he discovered esteem esteem or consider is the word hegimai in Greek and it means to counter consider or to regard or to deem something so this is the first word he starts off with in this passage it's a to Really think it through, and to consider, and to give something a greater, a greater value. That's what this word esteem means. Then the next word is others. It's elolos, and it means those. It's real simple. Those besides yourself, right? I think everybody understands what others means, right? So consider or esteem others, and then the word better, which is hooper echo, and it's a compound of two words. Hooper, which means significantly higher, and the word echo, which means to hold. So when he's using this word better, he's saying deliberately hold someone in very high regard, to have a superior view of someone, a feeling so fervent that it would definitely affect the way you deal with him or her. You would treat them better than yourselves. You put this passage together, and he is strongly, strongly saying to us, that we are to esteem, we're to elevate people above ourselves and treat them better than we would treat ourselves. Strong, strong language that he was using in this passage of Scripture. Now, as Rick has said, not necessarily a Christmas passage, but certainly one that has application for us at this time of year certainly one that has application for us this time of year. Now, he goes on to say this, and I think he's absolutely right. He says, since money is a great revealer of the heart, it means that your use of money to benefit that person may reveal how highly you actually esteem him or her. Can I just read that again to you? Since money is a great revealer of the heart, then it means your use of money to benefit a person, a person that you esteem, may reveal how highly you actually esteem him or her. This is a, kind of what we call putting the rubber, the, what do they call it? The, rubber meets the road. I should have just asked you, Jenna. You would have got it for me, right? (laughs) It's where the rubber meets the road. Uh, You know, this is is where we bring down to earth uh, in our day-to-day lives the practicality of what the Scripture is trying to teach us. I realize there are many ways in which you can honor somebody. But let's be honest. The number one thing that we use to operate with in our culture is money. You use it for everything from paying your mortgage or your rent to putting food on your table to, you know, buying the stuff that you like, whether it's the type of clothes or, or you know, the socks that Gary's going to be wearing, you know, or anything. It's money is the vehicle that we use and we operate with to communicate our value, to communicate uh, what we care about. It's money. Money is the thing we use to communicate how much we care. Well, no, there's other ways. Yes, there are other ways. Got it. I'm not saying that there aren't. I'm just saying, if we're, being, if we're keeping it real here this morning, money, money is often the most honest revelation of what we care about. In the old days, when people actually used checkbooks, we would say, you know, Check somebody's checkbook and you can see what they really care about. Because the checkbook tells the tale. It tells the tale. I have people say to me, oh, I love the Lord, I love the Lord, I love the Lord. But if you were to check their bank statements, there's nothing there. It's all about me. Oh, you're just saying this because you want money. No, this isn't about Me at all, this is about actually giving to other needs. We're a a conduit, we're a pass-through here this morning to give to other needs. Please understand that. But I am saying, I am saying, that if we really want to communicate how we feel, it's difficult to do it without touching our wallet. Very difficult. And when you talk about money, people get uncomfortable. The reason people get uncomfortable... Is because they know it's true, and they really care about their money. If they didn't care about their money, they wouldn't be uncomfortable. Right? You didn't give a hoot. If your attitude, well, ah, that's just money. Heck, yeah, they can have all they want. Sure, Then we wouldn't get kind of squirmy in our seat. But we get squirmy in our seat because, the truth be told, we actually do care about money. And sometimes, the less we have, the more we care about it. Well, we like to pick on those greedy rich people, but sometimes the less we have, the more, the more it has of us. I've had people sit in my office and say, you know, crying, so I'm not asking for much, you know. All I want is just enough to pay my rent and put gas in my car, put food on my table. And after listening to them for 15 minutes describe all the things that they need money for for them, I just looked at them one time and I finally had enough after about the fifth visit to my office like this, and I just said, you know what, your problem is you're selfish. They said, What? I'm broke. I said, no, your problem is you're selfish. I said, in all the things you described, not one of them was you wanted money to be able to give it away. You know, one thing that you described was I needed money so I could bless somebody else, that I could help somebody else. And not one descriptor did you talk about helping anybody. All you ever talked about was I just need this, I just need that, I just need this, I just need that. God wants us to get a hold of a deeper revelation. One, that it's not about me. That it's not about me. My goal in life is to position my kids to be financially better off than I was or am. That's my desire. I don't have a withholding spirit. I have a giving spirit. I want them to be better off than me. I want them to have more to give than me. I want them to have greater liberty than me. I want them to be able to then take that same attitude and do it to their kids so that every generation ends up more prosperous than the one before it. I want to do that. But I don't want to do it in such a way that they just make it all about them, that they're the end game. We're not the end game. God has positioned us not to be the end game, but to be the pass-through. God wants to bless us so we can be a blessing. God wants to pour in so we can pour out. Are you hearing me this morning? But so many times, you know, because our focus is only on ourselves, then when we finally do get the thing that we cried out for, okay. it's not enough. Someone asked Rockefeller once, how much money is enough? You know what he said? Just a little bit more. That was his answer. Wealthiest man that ever lived. How much money is enough? He said, just a little bit more. Now, interestingly enough, when he I mean he just spent much of the latter part of his life, just giving it away, creating the Rockefeller Foundation. And if you talk to guys like Warren Buffett and all the rest of them, they, they have plans to give it away. Bill Gates is already doing it. Buffett's already doing it. They're, they're setting up their legacies right now to give it away. And, you know, and Warren Buffett says, I'm not going to give it all to my children. He said, if they want to get to the same place, they can work just like I did. He said, no, I plan to disperse it to charities, to f- create foundations, to make the world a better place. Great stuff. I like to hear that. Have a plan for your money. Are you hearing me? This is the quietest has been in this place in about three years. (laughs) The silence is deafening. I say all that to say this, that we should never be content, never be content in the sense of, maybe the word isn't content, complacent. We should never find ourselves in a place of complacency where our attitude toward uh, money is well as long as I have enough to pay my bills. That's a horrible attitude. I want to I uh, generate and bring in as much as I can because I trust me to do better things with it than I do my government. I trust me to do better things with it than I do most of the people I meet on the street because I have an attitude about where I want to put that finances to help other people and most other people that I meet are... You know, it's, I'm not harping on them, just, they just haven't got a revelation yet. So they're usually not more focused than just three feet around them, right? Most people, it's just, that's about how big their world is, three feet, right? But when we come in, in, and encounter Christ, our world gets bigger, and it gets bigger, and it gets bigger, and we realize that we serve a big God, and that He wants to release to us the means in which we can spread His love around the world. I saw a picture the other day. I was, uh, I was looking for a photograph, and I found the photograph. It was, when I hit the link to it, it was on Pinterest. So in order to download the high-res image, I had to sign up for Pinterest. What a horrible thing that is. Oh, my <laughs> word. So then I started getting these emails from Pinterest. And, it says, and they, you had to click off a bunch of things you were interested in, so I said sports, sports. Uh, I said, uh, uh, inter- interesting spiritual quotes or something like that. You know, you know, everybody know? You Pinterest people know what I'm talking about. So, you know, I did that click thing. The next thing you know, I started getting emails. Now I can't wait to unpinterest, pinterest let me tell you. So, so first email I get, one really cool picture, which I'm probably going to use uh, next uh, on Christmas Eve, but, so I won't tell you about that one. But then another picture had this picture of a crying child, uh, someone's holding their arm, and it said, imagine a world where the pro-life movement cared as much about starving children as they do the unborn. And uh, that's what it said. And it was posted by a woman whose blog page is Godless Mother, or Godless Mom. She's an atheist, and she was, I thought she was firing a shot, but the the, the ironic thing was, was I I looked at that and I said, actually, I live in that world. Because all the places that I travel, all the places that I've went, some of the poorest nations of the world, every place that I've went, I have not met an, an atheist NGO ministering to the people yet. They're all Christians. All of them. There's government agencies, but then the non-government ones, they're all Christian. Imagine a world where the Christians care about the hungry. I, I can tell you, I, that's the one I live in right now. We are the ones. I thought, where, what world is she talking about? We're in that world. And all the people that are doing that work in the in the poorest of the poorest, from Mozambique to Haiti to all these places, I'm telling you, it is the people that are pro-life. It's not the people that are pro-choice. Just being honest with you, I'm not saying that there aren't NGOs out there that are run by atheists. I'm sure there are. I'm just saying that I haven't ran into any of them. And I've been in. I was in Haiti a week after the earthquake. I've been to Burma, where, where they, they slaughter people for not uh, you know, aligning themselves with uh, you know, uh, Buddhism or with the, the communist state. I've been to all kinds of places where there's landmines and all kinds of things. And who's there working with these people, feeding these people, helping to take care of these people, healing these people? It's those pro-life Christian people. I just laughed. I, I tried to get onto a page, but, you know, I, I, to... to kind of tell her, yeah, I, I do. can't imagine that world because I live in it. What world do you live in? But, uh, you know, I couldn't figure out how to do it, so anyway, I got frustrated. <laughs> anyway. <'Cause>, <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> so, anyway. The reason I didn't take up the offering earlier is I was hoping to kind of pull some more out of you. <laughs> Just being honest. Just, we're keeping it real here, right? You know, I didn't want to go, oh yeah, those are some needs up there, and throw $10 in. No, 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 I'm trying to pull something more out of you. We really want to meet these needs. Because if, if we don't do this, the Stacey's parents will never be able to afford to send her to university. They can't afford it. It's still cheaper than it is here, but $5,000 Canadian a semester may as well be $5 million for her parents who live on about, you know, $150 a month. I mean, it's just not possible. It's only because people in Canada and the United States have taken her into her heart that it's been made possible. I'm telling you this because the people in Pecanjicum, if you've been there before, if John and I could describe to you the need. A, a, a community where, you know, uh, to buy a, a frozen pizza is like $25. A jug of milk's seven bucks. Eight bucks. One well. And the government came in and put in a water treatment place and they were supposed to run water to all the homes and instead they, there's one tap you can go to and open it up and get water that's treated and that's it. And everybody has to carry it in pails to their homes. This is in Canada, folks. This isn't in Haiti. This is Canada. Canada. And I'd love to say Pecanicum was the only village like that. But it's not. I've been to Fort Hope as well. Jonathan's been to pretty near all of them. The need is real. The need is real. And we have homeless living right in our own city. And the frustration we have that we couldn't get that thing open this fall is still leaves a bad taste in the back of my mouth. But we're saying God next year. We have a building, we just, the, gov- the city's finally coming along and getting stuff done for us so we can start to finally get in there and put uh, hammer and stuff to work and get the thing open. These are real needs. I could give you all kinds of needs, but these are three that we just, we thought, let's present them to people. Okay. And, uh, and so I make no apology. I, this, I'm not looking for a $5, $10 offering. I'm not looking for you to just, you know, reach in your pocket and pull out some change. I'm asking you to forget Boxing Day. What? Yeah, forget Boxing Day for a year. You know? You know that 70 inch you were playing on a Boxing Day? I challenge you to sew it. You know how, you know what I'm talking about. All the things you didn't get for your Christmas because everybody else was thoughtless and didn't get you what you wanted. <clears throat> and you know how TV markets it to you, you gotta go out, you got gotta buy stuff for yourself. Come on. Forget Boxing Day. Stay home, have some leftover turkey. Don't get up at four in the morning. Don't bother with the lineups. Don't do it. Don't do it. Just sew it here instead. Whoa. Whoa. That kind of given? Yep, that kind of given. That's what I'm talking about. That kind of given. Or go for a smaller TV. You know, it doesn't need to be 70 inches go 50. Sell so the other two $300. You understand what i mean? Doesn't need to be 4K. 1080p's still good. 4K. 4K. Really? My 1080p, I still look at that thing in high definition watching sports, and I'm always amazed when I can see the scuff marks on a football player's helmet. I, I need 4K like a hole in the head. 1080p's just fine. For now, dear. For now. <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is, let's think outside ourselves this morning. We have an Interact machine at the back. It's a POS terminal. It doesn't spit out cash. Wouldn't that be nice? It uh, doesn't spit out cash, but, but it gives you an opportunity. If you didn't come prepared to give today, then even though we were talking about this last week and stuff, you can, you can do that thing. Um, it, it does accept credit cards, although we prefer people not going in debt. Um, what's that? No, and it's, it's, this isn't redirecting your tithe. You know some, you know because let's not make the church suffer so we can be generous. Do you know what I'm saying this is this is about us finding you know that money that we would have spent on ourselves and let's sow that instead let's yeah, you can do push pay on your on your phone we're doing everything we can to make it easy for you here. Are you hearing me? But when you make the offering, just put Christmas offering put uh you know, you can put any one of those three things. If you want to direct it to one specifically, you can put grace in. You can put picanjicum. Uh, if you can't spell it, just write P-I-K. We'll get it. Pick. Uh, or you can put uh, Nicaragua or Cessia. Uh But I believe we can raise enough money to certainly meet the first two needs. And then whatever amount we can sew into grace in. I don't know if we'll be able to raise the 300000 today. That might be a, might be a stretch, but... Uh, yeah, but uh, I believe we can raise the 4000 I think it's 4500 we need for Sessy at this point. Uh, and I think we can raise uh, the 2000 we need for Pecanjicum, and then overflow it to uh, the Grayson. Whatever we get. Nice to get another four or 5000 I don't know. Uh, there may not be any big screen TVs purchased from this church this year, but that's okay. We can do this. You're like, I've been waiting for four years to get my big screen. You know? All right. Well then, don't get your blender or whatever. I don't know what else. So I'm going to have the ushers come forward. They've got envelopes here. If you need an envelope this morning, um, every donation, every gift, 100% goes to the to the things that we've talked about. We're, this isn't. None of us is staying in house. Every dime is going out house. That doesn't sound right. Going out house. Out of the house. Going out of the house this morning. Every dime is going out of the house. Uh, this is an offering to uh, sow into the world. Praise the Lord. And so, um, the ushers will get you those envelopes. Like I said, the machine's at the back. You can fill out. You can use the machine. The instructions are there. Please follow the instructions. Uh, uh, Every POS terminal is a little different. And so, if you follow the instructions, it will work. If you put them in the wrong order, it will not work. And so, follow the instructions. It will help you out. But we're going to end this service by receiving the offering. We're going to receive the offering as a practical response to the message this morning. And uh, I want to encourage you to give sacrificially this morning, to open up your hearts and open up your wallets and to make a difference in other people's lives. Amen? Make a difference in other people's lives this morning. Praise the Lord. Let's stand together this morning. the lord amen some of you might be asking why these three needs we have lots of needs in the mission field we sure do but one is because we're joining the campaign we've got you'll see these posters for grace Inn all over the city restaurants and coffee shops and stuff uh, it's a campaign we've got encouraging people to give all over the city to it and uh, the other two are time sensitive Oh, somehow that went out of play mode. The other two are time sensitive, and uh, so we would encourage you to find it in your hearts to give and give big. Hallelujah. Um, the other two, like I said, pecans. When we have to, have, when's that? Have to we have to send that away on the 18th, Thursday. on Thursday, Thursday the 18th. So, so that's when those packages have to get to, up to. Red Lakes, so they can be flown in by Christmas. Okay, so that's so understand we're putting them together before that, so we need your help immediately. Um, you can give money and we'll do the shopping, or there's a list of stuff and the information back there that there's things that you can also purchase and give and bring in if you'd like. Uh, but anyway, that's that's the situation there. And then we have to have Cessius tuition in by January the 5th, I think it is, or something like that. So, again, that's a time sensitive one. Uh, we want to really help her. And Barry's met her before, knows what I'm talking about. Brilliant young lady who, um, who ha- unless, unless those outside of the country can help her, there's no way she'll ever be able to uh, afford this university. She is a, she's a cha- nation changer for sure. And uh, so we're excited uh, both the opportunity to help her. Praise the Lord. So Father, we just thank you for the privilege of giving. We thank you, Lord, that we, we have resources to give. Father, I thank you that, what a blessing that is, what a testimony that my God is big enough that he has given me the ability to give. And Father, that he has blessed me with, uh, uh, Lord, the means to be able to make a difference in somebody else's life. And Father, I just thank you that, Lord, you have done that in our hearts and that the spirit of generosity is what this season's really all about. So Father, we just pray, God, today that as we dig deep, as we give, that, Lord, you would be glorified and you would be honored with what we give today. Lord, that it, we're not token giving here. We're not, we're not, Father, putting something down. Lord, just because the, uh, the minister put out a plea, we are instead giving from our heart, recognizing that our money makes a statement of where our heart is this morning. And Father, we are asking you to be uh, in and through what we give today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, if you're visiting with us, we've got these two lovely wooden bowls at the front. We bring our offering up and we place it in those this morning. So we encourage you, bring it up, place it in those as uh, your act of worship today and response to the message. And then we tell you to have a great week and make sure you're here next Sunday morning. It is going to be a blast uh, with our children's program. It's going to be amazing. Praise the Lord.